Hey, squad. Hello, everybody. Hello. So we were going to kick off today by talking about Entitled, the Law and Order episode. We can't find it. It's not out there. I mean, it is. It's nowhere to be found streaming or syndicated otherwise. I'm absolutely furious. I did find a Wikipedia, a fan Wikipedia page on it, the fandom ones. And it did seem to have some details about... What happened? What, what happens? Okay, so it says Stephanie Mulroney is the daughter of socialite Regina Mulroney <laughs> and the murderer of Stephanie's ex-fiance, Dean Woodruff. They were engaged? They were apparently engaged. Oh. The murder was covered up with the help of mobsters by disguising it as the crimes of Arthur Pruitt. So Arthur Pruitt has his own page, and I think it's all just from the stuff that we learned about him, but they like lay it out in this page like it was like actually a thing. He confessed to killing Woodruff, but not the other victims, in an attempt to avoid the death penalty. Eventually, Pruitt was cleared of the two murders he didn't commit and was subsequently prosecuted for his first four murders with, uh, with only one reliable witness, Jill Templeton, at the stand. His fate remains unknown. So that kind of answers my question, because remember I was like, did Pruitt even, like, was he, like, a real thing? It sounds like they just, like, copycat murdered, like, did a copycat of Pruitt's murders, and then it, the police investigated it for real discovered him and then in a scene we we must not have seen or was cut out they like told him like if you confess to this murder of dean you know you won't get the death penalty for the other two murders in 1994 and he agreed to it so yeah i still want to see the episode but that was like what i got from thank you internet apparently it was a cover-up the mulronies did cover it up by like faking another death that guy steve uh that guy brecker who was with like the fake prostitute Ridiculous. Well, you finally got to see the scene with Stabler. Would you like to react to that? You hadn't, you hadn't noticed it last episode, but uh, I did send it to you later that night so we could, we could react together. <sighs> what was that? It's hard. It's hard because I'm seeing this moment after 24 years of, of, of this. this. You know what shit. I mean? It, and so I'm like, why didn't we make this a thing over all this time? Like, they're laying it on thick because that was very clearly. He literally went, co-workers. And then she turned around kind uh, of like, seriously? Uh, right. Like, right, right like right here, we're doing this. And they never, like, make it. You know, it's like, why didn't you guys just, like, why did we have to? Pre- <laughs> it would have been a funny joke for, like, the first five years. But it's been 24 years that they're still making this thing where they're like, maybe they'll kiss. And it's like. There's literally nothing stopping you anymore. You guys are both. Kathy is dead. So dead. And I'm pretty sure her ex-boyfriend, Ed Tucker's dead. Cassidy might as well be. Just kidding. I don't know what really happened to Cassidy. And the time is right, Olivia. Right. I don't understand. So that's why, like, seeing it, it was really, I'm just like, so can you imagine? Because we were, we've been fans, again, to reiterate over and over again, we've been fans of this. I can't imagine being a viewer sitting here for 24 years, like being like you started the show when you were 20 and then 24 years later, you're 44 and you're like, wow, they're still doing this to me. I've never waited so long for something in my life. Right. Well, we're about to talk to someone else who has lots of trouble with words and sentences because we're ready to say a farewell to our beloved Brian Cassidy. A farewell to Brian Cassidy. 
We're going to count down his top five moments, talk him out, see what we liked, what we didn't like. We're just going to fucking make fun of him for the next, like, 30 minutes. Not not a lot for us to work with. Like, he had a lot of scenes, but because he wasn't, like, until <laughs> there was, like, two whole episodes where he was, like, a focal point. So everything we have are just fun little, bizarre little clips of him. <laughs> First honorary mention for my top Brian Cassidy moments comes very early on in episode two. And I think we actually cut our discussion of this in the podcast, though we did discuss it. Cassidy's in court. He has to talk about a case where a gentleman on a subway molests a dead body and Cassidy's not pleased. The defense attorney's kind of giving him shit. He's like, so uh, what would you call this? And he's like, uh, fromage, meaning frotage, which I had never fucking heard of either. But uh, basically the forceful fondling of another person. The defense attorney goes, what do you call that in psychosexual scientific terms? And Brian goes, um, fromage. He was trying so hard. He was being super respectful. He was trying to be professional, like, as much as you can be when you're him. And this defense attorney was just asking him the dumbest fucking questions. Like, (laughs) but because it's Brian, like, when the defense attorney literally was like, so are you an expert in sex crimes? And it's just like, what do you mean am I an expert in sex crimes, you fucking idiot? You know? Are you? Your client is. He's an expert in committing them. Actually, not even because he got caught. Fucking idiot. (laughs) But that did give us that gem of Cassidy going, I don't care what you call it, but it's disgusting. I don't know what it's called, but I call it disgusting. And he points (laughs) at the guy. (laughs) It's just because it's fromage, it means cheese. So that's why it makes it like funnier. My honorable mention was the scene from Disrobed, which was, just to remind you guys, the one where the judge, Judge Varela, is soliciting sex from victims whose husbands and boyfriends are in jail for various infractions. Cassidy and Munch are going to talk to a recent parolee, Delphine Melendez. They knock on the door. And Melendez's girlfriend answers. And as she's mid-sentence telling them to fuck off and go away, I did not call you. Melendez himself sees her talking to the cops and then decides to start beating the tar out of her in front of them. In front of them. And so Cassidy, this is his moment, his honorable mention, he like kicks the door down. It's literally going, hey, hey, what the hell? And he grabs the guy and he goes, what is your, pr-? he literally is just like, what is your problem? You know we're cops? And just, and he like manhandles him. He's yelling and he's just like, got him. And he's just going, think you're a tough guy. You think you're a tough guy? And he drags him out. It was hot. That was hot. It was hot because sometimes Cassidy enters situations, even if he feels like he has the authority down, He's not always right, you know, but that was one where it felt like he was a real cop. You know, he was coughing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it made me horny for him. (laughs) (laughs) Mayhem. So that was the honorable mentions. And now we're moving on to number five. So this comes to us from episode 12, Russian Love Poem, a classic if I've ever seen one. ESP episode 13, Bananas, Brighton Beach, and Beyond. Stabler has just led the victim's daughter into the nice interrogation room. 
She's about to spill some dirty secrets of her father's, but hanging behind them is a little poster that has a little saying on it. Now, this is actually not a Cassidy moment, but Paige and I decided that Cassidy created this poster, so we, we made it a Cassidy moment. Because it was, in our very professional opinion, in the same tone as something Cassidy would say. <laughs> the poster says, end quote, think you can't be raped? Well, a rapist doesn't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> so Cassidy created that. <laughs> That's poster. What? Like, what? Props department, what? Like, I can't actually wrap my head around the thought that a real human being actually wrote that. I have to believe that Brian Cassidy, a fictional <laughs> a fictional silly head, actually wrote it. So our theory was that Brian was tasked one day. They told him to take a, a beat because he had been stalking Olivia or just like otherwise crying in the bathroom over it. And they were like, hey, Brian, maybe you could um, maybe you could help us dress up that nice interrogation room over there. The one that where you put the not actual criminals uh, have a poster made something about you know sex crimes or whatever like warning them against them and he goes okay <laughs> and then he sits there in my mind he's sitting there by candlelight <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> he definitely has candles he's a cancer knocked it out of the park there bry I, like, I truly believe this happened <laughs> no I, that poster makes no sense no, it makes no sense at all. And it's not something Munch would have written because Munch's would have been like, you think the Kennedys killed themselves? Think again. And it's like, that, no one yeah. thinks that. Brian's like, your rapist is just waiting. It's like, okay. Russian love poem, was a di- it wasn't really Brian heavy in it. No, it wasn't actually at all. I'm surprised because there were tons of ladies they could have thrown him at, but we had Stabler was like fielding all the lady eye fucks. He was just like, get out of here, ladies. Oh, Yeah. Honestly, my biggest memory of Cassidy is when they walk by the babushka who is cleaning up the blood in the apartment building. Yeah, he well, and then he said in that episode um, when Stabler and Benson responded after that murder, he was like talking about getting screwed with an axe or whatever. And and Munch was like, it's not sex related. He just meant like (laughs) they were killed with an axe. They were axed. They were unalived by axing. Sorry, that just struck me as so funny again. He's like, yeah, made love to an axe. And, and Munch is like, mm, they were killed. It was made love to an axe. Thank you for, <laughs> for remembering it correctly. Yeah, and for some reason, Munch was like, that's too far. But I guess they had to <laughs> clarify because like. Because that was my first thought was. Yeah, did she get, did she get like, oh my gosh. Um, so now we're moving on to number four. It took me on a journey of emotions. SVU episode, ooh, I forget. I think it was nine. Stocks it is and nine. Bo- nine, yay! Stocks and Bondage. ESP episode 10, because at this point we are now one ahead of ourselves. Cassidy and Munch are going to a sex shop where the dead victim <laughs> from that episode was shopping for sex shop stuff. So they go there, and there's actually a very cute girl working behind the counter, and Cassidy wants to marry her. And he tells her all these details of the crime, but in like a flirtatious tone. He's like, yeah, she's, she's dead. Got her trussed up like a latex turkey. And this girl's like, oh my God. And, they're <laughs> and the, girl's, the girl's having an appropriate reaction. She's like, oh my God, oh my God, really? From the very moment we enter and he's like staring at her and she's, you know, asking what's going on. For obvious reasons, people can be very judgy about this world and Cassidy's looking at her he goes not us 
we leave that to the prosecutors. And then he does this with his jaw. Oh, he has a bit of an addy jaw. Yeah, he waggles his jaw at this girl. But so, okay, right then when I first watched it, on my first watch, I was like, ew. Like, ew. You're telling this girl about a murder. She's at work, too. Three, you're a cop. So much inappropriateness. But then strangely, as the scene went on, and he didn't let up. He only got more, like, he would not take his eyes off her. He made several jokes, latex turkey, all of that. He was genuinely, like, when they say following her with his eyes. As the scene progressed, though, me and the girl, we both became attracted to him. Because at first she was <laughs> not attra- She was, like, looking at him kind of like, stop. And then by the end, I was like, okay, <laughs> would you live around here? Do you want to go back to your apartment? And the scene actually ends with Munch give a, kind of giving him, like, the, the cane around the back of his shirt and, like, like literally pulling, pulling him out of frame. Props to Brian Cassidy, but also Dean Winters for repulsing me and then turning me on in a matter of, it was less than five minutes. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Bravo, Brian. Bravo. So now we're down to our number three moment. Number three. This is kind of sad. (laughs) We call this Cragen Breaks Cassidy. It's uh, from his last episode. That is episode... 13, disrobed, ESP episode 14, Cassidy's little outburst when Olivia is impressed that he knows the word, oh God, fledgling. fledgling. Oh yes. And Olivia goes, fledgling, I'm impressed. Her one attempt at making a joke. And Cassidy loses his GD mind. Upon discussion, I'm relating a little bit to Brian Cassidy because I feel like people treat him well and he is. Like he's a dum-dum and he's just fucking sick of it in this scene. But he literally Terminator turns and looks at her and and just stares at her and goes, yeah, you know what I did? I went home, learned that word just to impress you. And then everyone in the office tries to move past this and he just keeps being like, sorry for bringing my personal life into the office you know the personal part where i had sex with olivia outside the office and everyone's like we fucking know shut the fuck up craig it's like oh, can i see you in my office <laughs> and he goes in he goes sorry cap was that about how me and olivia keep having sex all the time even though we don't she doesn't love me anymore and craig like no actually i would like to give you a very disturbing thing to look into so craig basically gives Cassidy the most heartbreaking case he can. And then when he comes in and cries in his office, goes, you can always move to narcotics. It was, as we decided, a total and complete setup. I am of the belief that this person, this poor victim, doesn't exist. It was such a terrible story. Cassidy is breaking down in front of Craig and like crying. I don't, they don't give us any context how long Cassidy's been on the force, but I'm, Thinking it really wasn't long enough for this to be done to him. I'm guessing like months. It's sort of like strange that he was not punished, but they were like, you know, this is a little too much for you dealing with like the most horrible things that could ever happen to human bodies. Um, We think you should move over to narcotics with Joey Poole so that you can like beat up people who deal weed. And that is the spinoff we really asked for and never got. Now, what you guys didn't hear, because this took place over the course of many voice memos the next day, Paige and I then thought, this is probably how we got Tutuola. What really happened, and we will accept no other theories, is that Cragen and Joey Poole from Narcotics were like, 
we've got a problem. Cragen's like, I've got this guy, Cassidy. He slept with one of my top detectives, and he's making it really weird and obvious in the office. And in the background, Brian's <laughs> crying at his desk at the bullpen, just openly crying and then looking over at Olivia. <laughs> and then over at Joey Poole's office, Finn is just beating the shit out of everybody. And even Joey Poole's like, oh my god. Yeah. Joey Poole, who's eight foot twelve, is like, I can't handle this guy. He's got too much anger in him. So him and Cragen are like, wait a minute. We need I need more of a sensitive guy, and you need more of a rough guy. What if we should we Cragen's got the red vines like clutched <laughs> in his hands? So that is when Cragen, in my opinion, cooks up a very fake. <laughs> he hires an actress so that they can destroy Brian Cassidy's spirit. What was left of it at this point? Because actually the hilarious part about that whole thing was that he was already going through it because he's in love with Olivia. And aren't we all? You know, I think we can all sympathize with that part. I am. Then they, t- they put him on this really horrific case to break his spirit. But then over at Narcotics, this is what happens with Finn. Because they realize, are, we decided that Finn was getting a little bit too zealous with the, with the I almost called the victims. He just like keeps punching bags of drugs. He's like, I hate drugs so much. I hate the fact that I hate the war on drugs. I mean, I like the war on drugs. I hate the people on the other side of the war on drugs. I am the war on drugs. I think my theory was that they lied to Finn and they said that there was like, they thought that there was some type of drugs over at SVU. And so they (laughs) needed him to go and be undercover at SVU and pretend to be a sex crimes cop. So that they, he could, like, sniff out the drugs. And that's also why he's always asking weird questions about, <laughs> like, the goings-on at SVU. He's trying to find the drugs, but he can't. He's, like, not actually paying attention. It's sort of like when you're on a date and you, like, forgot about what they said the entire time before. So you just latch on to the last five seconds of the thing. And you're like, so does that mean he's attracted to little girls in pigtails? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's literally what we just said. Oh, yeah, whatever, Finn. Yeah, yeah, that is what we mean. And the whole time he's like opening drawers, rummaging around Stabler's desk. He's like, no drugs in here yet. He's got like a tiny chihuahua that he has trained to sniff out drugs. And he like, it's like a two pound chihuahua and he takes it out and just like lets it run around. And then he's like, come here, come here, spicy, come here. And he takes it and puts it back in his pocket. Not spicy. (laughs) (laughs) Number two is just closure. In general. <laughs> yeah, closure part one, which is Law and Order SVU episode nine. But then Law and Order, or no. 10, 10 and 11. 10 and, oh, 10 and 11. Right, right. I think I'm still stuck on the fact that he took her watch from her apartment post hookup and then gave it to her in the middle of the day to be like, you forgot this. It was at her own fucking apartment. Yeah, that was crazy. Point number one, he, well, point number one dating back to when she got the phone call about the murder and they're in bed together at her apartment. <laughs> and she, as Brittany pointed out to me, when the phone rings, Liv rolls over to go check her beeper and Brian is literally rolling with her. Like, oh. Like, oh no. It was like a roll. It was kind of like the wave. Like, whoa. <laughs> so I swear from the moment they s- stopped having sex, she seemed annoyed. No, I agree. That's why I think it was hard for, and that's probably what they wanted, but that's why I think it was hard for us to identify with Brian at that point. Because Olivia, who obviously 
as women, but also as a community, we identify with more. <laughs> she just seems so not into it. And like, we've all been there. Like, I'm sure, well, I've never been there, but we've all been there where you maybe do something with a person and you're like, that was fun. But like, I fully intend for it to never happen again um, because it's you. And the person just is like in love with you. She literally says right there, she's like, well, don't get used to it. And she says it like that. Like, she doesn't say it like, <laughs> don't get used to it. You know, kind of like, yeah. like Jessica Rabbit sexy. Like, <laughs> she's saying like, it like, yep. we bang that out. Don't get used to it. Then she runs into him at Harper's apartment and is so mad because he keeps acting so weird and stabler the whole time. It's just kind of like, what's going on? From the very beginning, for no reason, Cassidy just doesn't think Harper's telling the truth. Every single thing Olivia says, he's kind of poking holes in. Mm -hmm. And it's giving the way that they're talking is very much like when you fight with your boyfriend. Like when you're, you, you and your person have a fight and then you go out to dinner and you know how you kind of like just like it's just like weird and you like pick little fights with each other the whole rest of the time. That is what they're doing. But during an investigation into like a rape. I think we have it pretty well summarized in that screenshot of him with the curling iron to her head and she is just like what are yes. you doing okay i'm being dramatic but like again i think we've all been there where you're like oh my god this guy has a crush on me and now he's touching me and i'm literally mortified and like claiming me in front of other people which is kind of the worst it's being the claimed worst. in front of other people and you're like i don't co-sign this but i'm too polite to do what i want to do which is share horowitz Ooh, get off me as if. Ugh, as if. Yeah, no. And the worst part is it was almost, well, it was worse, I think, because she was at work. So it's like you're, it's because if you're anywhere else, like in a, with a group of friends at a club or whatever, you can like shake the guy off and be like, whatever, you know, but like she was at work. So she had to like remain chill. The CSI guys were there and Stabler. Ugh, so embarrassing. It was awful. <laughs> Thanks, Cassidy. <laughs> so dramatic. They have their little tete-a-tete when she's getting ready for her date six months later, which doesn't make sense in the timeline because he would be gone by then. But we digress. She comes out in her little date outfit, and he's like, you look nice. And she's like, thanks. <laughs> Going on a date? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, going to fall in love? She goes, Haha, if I'm lucky. And he's like, six months ago, you weren't ready for a relationship. And then she goes, come on, Bri, it's not you. It's just the policy I have. I don't date people I work with. And then he goes on this literal, not a rant, it was a lecture, like a literal lecture where he's like, you know, anyone you marry. And she's like, who says I'm getting married? He goes, whatever, you will. 24 years later, he's wrong, but okay. He's like, because you have this job, anyone you're with will always be a mistress to you. She's literally like, okay. She kind of was like, all right, I'm going to go on my date now. I'm going to get my back broke if you don't mind. And then she ends up having to work and going to speak with Harper with him. But Right. Oh, my God. See, this is why I, I would not be cut out for, like, that type of work. Because I'd be mad. Like, I get big mad when people, like, if someone needed something right now, like, for work, I would literally, like, I'd do it. But I'd be sitting there being like, I just think it's fucked up. I just think it's fucked up that you're asking me so that leads us i believe to our number one top brian cassidy moment 
from the same episode, Closure Part 1. And we left it out of that little part right there. And it was. <laughs> and I always misquote it because I always say I'm concerned about the pot. It's the pot makes me nervous. The pot makes me nervous. Uh, the pot makes me nervous. So setting up that scene when uh, in Closure Part 1, hearkening back to when Benson, Stabler, and Cassidy were all back at Harper's apartment right after the assault, looking for evidence and all. They're looking around the room right before the curling iron thing. They find an ashtray where Harper has left a joint and Cassidy sees it and he makes some comments. He's like, maybe she was high and didn't remember that she wasn't actually assaulted. That happens all the time, you know? Happens all it's the just, time. Uh, you know, you, you smoke a doobie and you're like, oh my God, I was assaulted. Pure pot, 100% cannabis, nothing inside it. Makes you hallucinate. No, it doesn't. That's the joke. It literally fucking doesn't. Whoever says that to you has never smoked pot before, or they smoke pot that was laced with LSD. It was just the dweebiest, most square, dumbest thing to say. And the funny thing is it tracks for the rest of his time on season one because in the next episode, he's all upset about the people drinking and then he leaves SVU to go to, to go bust pot dealers like Harper. Just kidding. But it was only a couple episodes apart, but it was so funny that they were like, maybe you should go to narcotics because, you know, you hate that stuff. You were so mad that one time a victim dared to take a puff after a job interview. Not really a done. Well, done, done. So fast forward in that scene. They're in the bullpen. They unpack all this to Craig and they're letting him know what happened. He sends everyone on their, you know, assignments. He goes, you mission over there. You mission over there. So they walk about eight to ten feet away from Cassidy, like over there. And Craig says to Olivia, I want you to go back to Harper's apartment and look into the drugs. And Cassidy, because he because <laughs> he's got a can't monkey. mind his own business. Oh, his own damn business. And because a man is speaking to Olivia, probably yells from his desk 10 feet away. Yeah, the pot makes me nervous. <laughs> no one fucking asked. Uh, the pot makes me nervous. It's like, and he says it kind of as though he is Cragen, you know, like he's listening to two of his of his like you know, subordinates talk about the drugs. And he goes, yeah, and the pot makes me nervous, so definitely look into that, please. <laughs> uh. It was actually great. You know, when you think about it, because it's just like, it was, and it really does, like you said, it sets him up to be the expert for narcotics because yeah. he said that, like, authoritatively. He was like, yeah, the pot makes me nervous. Yeah. He's, he's going to kill it over there, getting nervous around all the pot. <laughs> it's just going to be like, ooh, I'm nervous. I'm going to arrest this guy. So we did lose Brian, which, you know, upon review of his finer moments was <laughs> I do I do miss him a little bit. I miss him a little bit. He's funny. He is funny. I mean, like we're mad at him. It's kind of like when you're mad at somebody in the moment and then you look back on the memory, you're like, that was kind of funny. I'm just picturing us watching the TV and as we go on, we remember. It's like a black and white video. We're watching Brian Cassidy like a tear All comes down my face. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us for our farewell to Brian Cassidy. Like we said, I don't think we're going to make it when he comes back in 12 years. I don't think so. Yeah, we are like Brittany said a while ago, we are committed to the Stabler episodes. And that's basically we can promise you no more after that. 
Am I become a touched by an angel podcast? It's just that it's hard for us to take notes on things we don't believe in. And uh, we don't believe in a stablerless world. No. Do I like the Barba episodes? Sure. Do I like them as much as I like the Stabler seasons? No. No, never. Actually, I was thinking the other day that I kind of miss Stabler. I feel like we haven't gotten, we've gotten like Stabler's involved. We, I miss, <laughs> I know I, we mocked it, but just like the Brian scenes, I'm like, I kind of miss when we were with Stabler the entire time. I miss Dickie. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the Stabler. Are you looking for pedophiles, Dad? <laughs> Dickie, Dickie, who said that to you? <laughs> Hey, Dad, where's my turtle? <laughs> oh, well, next week we're we're away. So don't don't we're look for away. us. Brittany's going to be in Sardinia or whatever. If I fucking make it. Jeez, my flight just got pushed three hours. That's so annoying. Ew. I know. Well, after Brittany comes back from being fabulous, we're going to be mm. doing Law and Order SVU at the... It is it, 17? No, uh, 16 now, right? 16. Oh, oh we, the, the third guy. It's the third guy, right? Uh, yeah, the third guy. All right. Season one, episode 16 called, hey, it's the third guy. It's the third guy. He did it. Why are we going to watch it? We know the third guy did it or yeah. was done. T- well, we got to find out. Well, squad, stay nervous. <laughs> 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 no, nah, it's a free country. Do what you want. <laughs> Bye. Bye.